Hello and welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. Now, I don't know if any of you bookish types are a little bit like me, but I have a tendency to get stuck in my head. There is often a huge disconnect between my brain and my body when I am stuck in a book. And it's easy, I think, especially as a reader, to forget that you are a conglomerate of water and cells and blood, as well as a floating head constantly thinking about books. As a citizen of Britain as well, it is hard to avoid the discussions around the NHS and the general health and well-being of the nation right now. And here at Vintage, we are always keen and excited to publish those books that speak to that space. Over the years, we found some really special authors who have managed to speak about our bodies to our heart. 2018 has brought us two amazing new books. One is called Brainstorm, Detective Stories from the World of Neurology by Suzanne O'Sullivan. And the second is The Language of Kindness, an astonishing memoir by nurse Christy Watson. Now, it just comes to pass that Christy and Suzanne are friends. So we thought it'd be fun to corner them in a room together and get them to talk about the relationship between the head and the heart. How do they build a relationship with a patient and know their heart as well as their physical body? How do the stories of their patients affect their practice and more deeply who they are? We are talking kindness, loneliness, head and heart with Christy and Suzanne. Is medicine, do you think, a science or an art? I would say that medicine is an art based on a science. I think that, you know, when you're in university, you know, you're forced to learn about the facts because the facts are necessary if you're going to be a good nurse or a good doctor or any medical professional. However, people don't obey the rules of science. Everybody brings their own personal history to every consultation and how they perceive symptoms and how they react to symptoms and how they manage illness will be based entirely on the, their life experience and their ideas about their body and their ideas about um, disease. And that's where the art comes in. So really medical professions professionals have to understand humanity in order to be able to apply the science. Interesting. I think that's similar to my view and I wonder if that view would be the same coming from a male doctor. I do wonder if there is a difference in terms of gender and how people perceive art and science and medicine. Mm-hmm. And I wondered then if it affects that relationship between patient and doctor as to whether the patient would respond better to somebody that was more influenced by art or by science, because that must be key, that, that space. Well, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I always wonder, how do patients judge nurses and doctors is sort of, you know, sometimes I I think that we are judged on our kindness, which I'm sure you will be telling us a lot more about. But And that's wonderful. But you need to have that underpinning in science in order to be good at your job also. And I think that patients are as different as doctors and nurses. That You know, there are patients who... Uh, all they really want is the factual part of what you want to um, discuss with them and there's other people who are seeking out the more emotional side of things. What about in nursing though? I mean, you know, do you think, because there's been a very interesting move in nursing, which when I qualified as a doctor, nursing was sort of an apprenticeship almost, whereas now it's more of a university-based with the apprenticeship part of it coming later. Do you think that's changed this art-science balance in nursing? 
I think experience changes how you view um, whether it's art or science. And certainly when I first started nursing, which was 17, I was very much driven by technology, um, the kind of excitement of big trauma cases and thinking mm. about, um, you know, advances in medical science, I guess. Mm. And I thought that that was really what nursing had to aspire to be towards. And then as my career went on and on, I realised that nursing's not really about those things so much as about philosophy and art and psychology mm. and politics to a certain degree as well so I think it was more me that changed and perhaps everyone changed alongside me but mm. I went the opposite way if anything and yeah. was much more interested in the artistic side of nursing mm. in a similar sense but as I agree with you completely that you you have to have both mm. and I think your personality dictates which which side you fall on the most yeah and I hope that so our personalities dictate a little where we'll end up you know I could be a doctor who isn't perhaps wonderful at the kindness or artistic side of it, but there still are loads of laboratories and um, less patient, um, uh, less sort of patient where, where you're less likely to be in direct contact with the patients. There's more scientific sides and there's research sides. So obviously we all, a kind doctor is incredibly important and uh, someone who understands humanity is incredibly important, but there is a place in the world for all of us, I think. And um, what do you think about the training of, of nurses in terms of the different styles of training? Do you pr prefer how things are now to how things have been in the past? Well, I think it's a tricky um, thing because the Royal College of Nursing, for example, advocates degree-based learning because mm. they say any other profession would, anyone that was knowledgeable and had passed exams and had reached a certain level of requirement of course mm. that's what you have to do for your job in any mm. other profession and why should nursing be any different yeah. from that um, I, I disagree slightly with them because I um, I think that much of nursing I learned on the job certainly and I wouldn't have even got into nursing school now mm. and many of my contemporaries who are older nurses who've got so much experience and who I would consider brilliant mm. nurses uh, would never have got onto a degree course, not least being able to do it because they didn't have a bursary, which is what's going on at the moment. Um, so I think it's very difficult. I think that the bringing in of nursing assistants, which is what's on the cards at the moment, will be an interesting time to see what happens. But then I also worry about the shift away from the core values and the core job of nursing to someone that is perceived as less qualified and certainly paid less. Mm. because I think those things, uh, providing dignity and care, mm. are actually at the heart of what nursing is and should be done by the most experienced people. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed Language of Kindness, by the way. It was a wonderful book. And the thing that really stayed with me was this sense that I, as a doctor, you know, I have to deliver bad news sometimes or good news or have difficult discussions with people. And, you know, that I take my time over that. But when I leave the patient behind, I very often am leaving them behind with the nursing staff. And I really felt that in your book that, you know, the, the incredibly, the nurse is the kind of ever-present person there supporting the patient. Um, how do you experience it yourself? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting to watch uh, patients and how they respond when doctors are there mm. and then when doctors leave they suddenly ask all sorts of questions that they didn't feel oh, yeah. able to ask the doctor so I think nurses sort of translate 
in a way, yeah. which is why it's important to always have nurses in meetings with you because they'll remember totally what you've said and be able to work out what the families are asking. Um, but I think it's spending 12 and a half hours a day with a family persistently over a period of days, sometimes weeks, sometimes even months. Mm. Um, there was a child that I looked after in paediatric intensive care who was there for a year and a half. Mm. And of course, we were we became family. Yeah, <laughs> we saw imagine. him every day. So I think that there is something about sitting next to a person, which is incredibly challenging sometimes, particularly if personalities clash or um, families are very stressed or they're going through some kind of additional um, difficulty. For example, uh, there was a family that wanted to sue the hospital, mm. and that was very difficult talking to them constantly. Um, but I think that there is also a real benefit to spending all those quality hours getting to mm. know somebody so that when something significant for for good or bad happens you do know how they'll potentially react you do know how to deliver news mm. or translate news that the doctors have given and I think it's hugely beneficial for families to feel like they are cared for by people who aren't necessarily strangers mm. and that's all, obviously an accident and emergency in places that's really not possible yeah. And certainly if you're seeing people in outpatient clinics, it's really difficult to build up that relationship. But you must see patients yeah, over well, the years. It's really, a couple of things you said really remind me of something I've that it took me 20 years, I would say, to appreciate. First of all, you sort of mentioned about this sort of, you know, emergencies when you go into some into the these professions that we're in. You're thinking, oh, it's going to be exciting to work with all this scientific technology and have exciting emergencies happening. Um, but actually what's hugely kind of undervalued is the amount of reward to be had from developing a relationship with patients over time. Yeah, it's interesting because I, um, I, in terms of mutual love, I absolutely loved It's All In Your Head, but I loved Brainstorm even more. Thank you. Um, and I, I think the thing about it that for me is most interesting is that you describe patients' stories, their whole lives, their story, mm. and that's one moment, a 15-minute consultation you're unpicking an entire life and maybe even their parents' lives or their other family members' lives. And it, it really is um, fascinating to think about medicine and nursing in terms of storytelling because I think that's becoming more recognised and it's absolutely vital to understand somebody's story. One young woman who I've known for about 14 years who has these awful um, seizures which cause her to run manically for moments at a time or look after somebody else who every time she moves it triggers small seizures that cause her to drop to the ground. Now nobody else in their lives has ever had those things and I as a doctor have never met anybody who has a disability like those either so how do I help them? Well I help them I suppose by trying to put, place them in the context of their lives and that's why understanding you know, the story of their lives and their background and their concerns and drawing their family in on that is so important. Sometimes I feel like I don't help them at all. And I know that they possibly would argue otherwise, but, you know, I suppose that's because as doctors, I feel that I have to cure people. And if I haven't cured people, that I haven't done it right. Whereas basically, that's not exactly how it is, really, is it? Yeah, and I, I think that we're living in a time where cure is often so is not possible. Yeah, and when we've moved away slightly from that medicalized model of cure at all costs yeah. and people making money from cure at all costs, drug companies and insurance companies and yeah. hospitals, um, because actually what people are suffering with increasingly, I think, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with this, 
are, are things that are not necessarily curable, but mm. um, existential angst, fear, anxiety, crippling anxiety, loneliness, old age. These are the things that actually we can't cure necessarily, but yeah. we can certainly provide people dignity, um, care, compassion and kindness, which is where we cross over, I think, in a massive yeah. way. I, I wonder if there's one thing that you wish people knew about your job. I think really it was the point I made before, which is I think there's something, especially for people thinking about going into medicine or medical students, is the sort of degree of um, of reward there is available in kind of slow medicine. So I think if you watch television programs about doctors or nurses or setting casualty departments, there's a lot of sort of straddling chests and cutting them open, and that's that's perceived to be where the exciting part of medicine is. That's certainly exciting, but there is so much more to the skill of being able to have a conversation with somebody that actually is beneficial just through that conversation and in the people skills. So I think that um, the televised version of medicine is all very exciting looking, but I don't think it highlights what is really, really hard in medicine and therefore rewarding, which is the, the people skills involved. What about patients? I mean, we've talked about being influenced by our other colleagues, etc. Um, but, I mean, do you think patients have influenced you? Are there patients that you think you'll never forget because they change the way you do something? Yeah, certainly I think that there are certain patients you never forget. I mean, you don't really forget any of them, but there are certain patients that stick out maybe more because they remind you of a family member or mm. there's some connection there. Or perhaps they were really difficult and you felt that you overcome mm. some boundary in order to provide them good care. But I think probably I've been thinking a lot recently about a patient who I looked after who was in a house fire, and I think it's post the awful Grenfell Tower fire mm. events. So that's been on my mind a lot. And yeah. she she was a little girl that, that died, and all we did for her really as nurses was, was wash her hair. Mm. And it was just such a small act that mm. I think made such a big difference to her mm. her mum's sister who wanted to come and spend valuable hours with her. And it made me realise a lot that nursing is in these small things. It's holding someone's hand, it's washing a child's hair. Mm. It's not anything fantastical like cracking open a chest, like <laughs> yeah, you said. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you that I think it's, yeah, it's definitely the, the rewards in the small actions are the greatest mm. rewards. Yeah. And I think that... Um, and they're the hardest to achieve. You know, the technical skills of rushing, because uh, I know that you did, you were on the cardiac arrest team for a long time. And that's obviously, you know, that's all very thrilling to be running in and sort of saving the day but that in a sense is a skill that you can learn and that most people can learn but actually the ability to sort of have the more gentle side of medicine and um, be kind to people and make people feel better in that way that is way harder to learn and the rewards are harder to come by I think yeah and you must have um, patient stories I guess you must have a million of them but particularly I, I guess your patient group sometimes it yeah, it's quite a challenging group of people to work with. Um, I know from myself, whenever I've experienced emotional symptoms of anything, yeah. I don't, I don't really want to hear that. I want to hear that there's some yeah. disease-ridden problem, um, and that's quite difficult, I think, for people to understand. Yeah, when I work with people who have psychosomatic conditions, I mean, the rewards are hard to come by because many people have had multiple medically unexplained symptoms that go on for many years and. Um, 
they have been treated the way medicine treats people, which is, you know, taking something seriously is perceived to be doing a scan or giving a tablet. That's taking it seriously. Whereas suggesting a, a change in your psychological sort of approach to something is not taking something seriously. So many of my patients have faced the standard way that doctors treat things, which is you have a pain, do a scan, you have a pain, have take a tablet. And they've been through that for 20 years. And it's not possible for anyone to turn back time on 20 years. So I have to take re rewards in a very small way. So if I meet somebody, and I have somebody in mind at the moment, who I won't go, won't go into their details, but someone who's seen every doctor in London over a period of 20 years and had every sort of laparoscopy and um, unpleasant invasive investigation possible, and I can manage them to change their mindset sufficiently that the next medical symptom they get is not medicalized and won't result in a in a hospital admission, um, then I think, wow, that person really, that's incredible because it's it's an incredible thing to overcome those sort of um, way and a way of dealing with things that you've had for many many years. And the other funny thing I think about the patients that really influence you, it's always the ones you didn't make better. <laughs> it's never like I've I've written two books now about my patients and I've very rarely written about ones I made better because they failed to sort of that was that was easy in a sense because they obeyed all the rules of my textbook. I, I prescribed the tablet and the tablet worked and that's brilliant. So most of brainstorm patients are patients who I did not make better, but from whom I learned. So Again, if you have a very bizarre disability, I work with a young man who has these epileptic seizures that cause him to spit and curse repeatedly. And, you know, he gets on with his life in the most incredible way. And they're those sort of people that teach you how to be a good doctor um, and how to help people with very unusual problems. And they're the people that stay with you, I think. Which is quite a testament to medicine. And I don't know how it is with doctors, but in terms of nursing, nurses are leaving the NHS faster than they're joining mm. at the moment. It's about to be a public health crisis. Yeah. And that's not just in the UK, but internationally, uh, nurse recruitment is, is going to be a global issue very soon. I don't know how it is with doctors. Do you think many, many people leave medicine in the same way as they leave nursing? There is certainly a, a major shortage of junior doctors now. Um, and I think... I'm not a very political person, um, but I don't think that Brexit is going to help this at all. Um, I work in a major London teaching hospital, so you would say that that's the sort of institution you'd expect to find easy to employ people. And when we employ people, doctors, nurses, technicians, every level of staff, we are employing people from outside of the UK because no one inside the UK is applying. So I think that the health service is undervalued. We're undervalued in terms of how we're treated in general and also financially. Um, and I think that is going to create a major problem. So why should somebody become a nurse or why, what, what do you think? Well, I think for, for all that nursing has taken from me, and it's taken an awful lot in terms of swallowing so much grief and trauma. Mm. And just being around that is almost like when you are looking after a patient with infection, you risk catching the infection I think you do catch mm. people suffering mm. and particularly when it's senseless suffering when it doesn't make any sense to you you can't find any meaning in why a toddler fell from a roof or yeah. why someone was in a house fire and you do struggle with that I think but for all that it's taken from me in terms of um, swallowing that grief 
I think that it's given me many more gifts and most people that are looking into nursing I would say that to be a nurse makes you live with your eyes wide open and you certainly are very aware of how precious life is Mm. how short a time we have how random things are Mm. and it makes you live a certain way and appreciate every single day and I think that's a huge gift Mm. and if my children wanted to be nurses I'd actually be delighted even now how about you how how about medicine what why should somebody become a doctor today? I think that medicine is the most incredible career. It really is the most incredibly versatile career that's suited to anybody. You know, basically, if you are someone who loves sort of spending hours listening to people, talking to people, absorbing people's problems, there's a place for you. If you're someone who rather fiddle around with some little microscope somewhere, you know, if you're if you're person orientated or if you prefer working in a lab, if you're very scientific, if you're more creative, then there is a role for you. You can travel with it. Um, it's immensely rewarding um, when it works and when you do it well. It's a career where, which has room for every sort of person in it. Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. Check the show notes to find out more about these two brilliant women's books uh, Brainstorm by Suzanne O'Sullivan and The Language of Kindness by Christy Watson don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of these bloody brilliant conversations follow us on Twitter at Vintage Books if you fancy and until next time Mm -hmm.